Well, good morning again, everybody. So great to be here and worship with the entire One Chapel family. You know, these are really unique times, and during these unique times, there have been a few things that have made me smile, and I felt like I needed it. And one of those things has been some of the memes that have come across my social feed. I thought I'd share a few of my favorites with you. This first one's actually really helpful. It says, take it down, Karen. It's illegal. No gathering, Karen. It's not allowed. Social distancing is important. Be responsible, Karen. This one will kind of hit close to home. Uh, Pastors live streaming their sermons this Sunday. And I am not going to tell you what I'm currently wearing under this shot. And then if you've been a part of our groups over the past couple weeks, this will make sense to you. This is Jesus if he was doing the Last Supper during this quarantine period. You might call this the last Zoom Actually, I've really been enjoying all the Zoom calls that I've been on these past couple weeks. It's really been amazing. Thankful for that connection. Well, listen, we're heading into Holy Week on our way to Easter. And so I wanted us to start here with this passage of Jesus on this Palm Sunday coming in the triumphal entry. And we're going to read it out of Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. And actually, I'm going to have my daughter, Reese, come and read that for you. So come on, Reese. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on the colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Awesome job. Thank you very, very much. So it's Passover, and people from all over the ancient world are making the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so the population is swelled. like It's jam-packed. There's people everywhere. Traffic jams everywhere you go. Man, what I wouldn't give for a good traffic jam right now. You know what I mean? Like just to, just to stand in a really long line with a bunch of people, oh, that would feel really good right about now. But this is a fantastic scene in this passage. People throwing their cloaks on the ground. And, and many of them probably don't have a second cloak. And, and those who knew the scriptures were probably thinking about King Jehu in Second Kings, where his followers threw their cloaks for him to walk across as a sign of loyalty to him. But they're also chopping off these palm branches and they're waving them around. Like this has royal implication. And so his followers, they're, they're welcoming him with these palm branches, waving them high in the air like they... Like they just don't care. I apologize for that. And so add to that, they're singing these songs, these hymns, or shouting Hosanna, or basically saying, oh, save. It means deliverance. They're talking about him being the deliverer. And they're calling him the son of David. And that's about as explicit as you can get here. Because this is the city that King David made his capital city. So the Jews had been waiting and praying for the deliverer, a king like David, to come and free them from oppression. And they believe that right now, right here, this is their moment, that Jesus is going to save us from Rome. The king has arrived in force to take on Rome and set us free. 
Jesus is going to be the king that we want. And these are the things that that king is going to do. But Jesus actually comes riding in on a donkey. Wait, wait, wait. Not, not, a, not a mighty stallion? Not a war horse? No. There's no chariots. No accompanying army. He doesn't come like a military leader. He's different. He comes like a ruler during peacetime. He's riding a donkey. And as he does this, he fulfills Zechariah's prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. And I'm going to have my son Ewan read this for us. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Awesome, bud. Thank you very, very much. So he's not coming for military conquest. He has something else entirely in mind. And there's no mistaking that he comes to Jerusalem as the anticipated king. Right? There's no mistaking. He is the messianic son of David. But his triumphant entry is paradoxical. His victory is going to come by being nailed to a cross. He's not there to overthrow an occupying enemy. He's there to do something much, much greater, much bigger, much better, with implications far, far more reaching. The meaning that Jesus attaches to his triumphal entry is quite a bit different than the meaning that everybody else attaches to it. He's got greater, powerful purposes in mind, longer lasting. In fact, they're going to last for all eternity. I mean, the truth is, these people watching that day, they got some of it right. I heard a story about a Sunday school teacher. She was teaching her kids about Easter. And so she asked kids, what is Easter all about? One boy raised his hand and he said, oh yeah, that's the day that all my family comes together. We make a big turkey and we watch some football. Well, obviously the teacher knew, no, that's Thanksgiving. So a little girl raised her hand and said, oh yeah, yeah, I know what it is. Easter is when we come downstairs and there's a bunch of beautiful presents underneath the tree. And the teacher thought, okay, well, I obviously am terrible at my job. I quit. And then a little shy boy raised his hand and he said, teacher, I know what Easter is. Easter is when Jesus was crucified and then he was buried. And the teacher thought, yes, I did it. I've reached one. And then the boy continued. And then he came out of the tomb. And if he sees a shadow, then it means six more weeks of winter. See, everybody in Jerusalem that day, they kind of did this. Like they got part of the story right. I think we tend to do that ourselves. In fact, I think it's possible that some of us are doing that right now in this really difficult period. Truth is, when things go bad, like they are currently, people tend to turn to God, and that's awesome. But N.T. Wright, author and theologian, he says, that's kind of like learning how to use the telephone when what you really need is to call an ambulance. Like, it's a good thing to do, but it would have been better if you would have done that when it wasn't so important. But that's just how many of us are. Church attendance, it goes up even online, like people from all over just watching online services, and it goes up when a major crisis strikes. In fact, Google searches for prayer have gone up dramatically during this season. The University of Copenhagen did some research into global Google searches for prayer and found that that actually it's gone up so much. Uh, Search intensity for prayer, it doubles for every 80,000 registered cases of COVID-19. So suddenly, everybody wants Jesus to ride into the city on his horse and be the kind of king that we want him to be, to do what what we want him to do. God, you've got to give us peace right now. You've got to pay my bills and hurry. God, you've got to save my sick friend, please. God, you've got to give me a job, and honestly, I need it by tomorrow. And the most common prayer that I think all of us are praying right now, which is simply, help us. 
And actually, everybody, the good news is, is that Jesus intends to answer these and all the other prayers that we're praying during this season. Thank God he's not waiting for our motives to be pure. Thank God that he doesn't make us clean ourselves up and get our acts together before he responds to our prayers. He came to seek and save the lost. He came for the sick and not the healthy. And that that actually has new meaning for us today in this season. However, at the same time that he's gonna answer all those prayers and he's moving on our behalf, he also has his own plans and purposes for you. He's got some deeper things in mind for you. And in the middle of all this difficulty, he's working to accomplish it. So the people in Jerusalem, they wanted a prophet. But this prophet, he was going to tell them that God's judgment was on their city. They wanted a Messiah, but this Messiah was gonna be enthroned on a cross. They wanted to be rescued from evil and oppression, and Jesus was gonna rescue them. It's just that he was gonna rescue them and everybody else from evil in its fullest form that's been at work in our world since the beginning. The point is, God's way is always deeper and better than our way. And his desires for you are even deeper and better than your desires for you. And if we'll just be open to seeing that during this time, he'll do some incredible things in us. Like, he'll do more than you thought he would. And that's the funny thing. If you'll just open yourself up and ask Jesus to help you and do some things inside you during this period, he'll do more, more than probably you expected him to. I like how C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild the house. And at first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and he's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? And the explanation is he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here. He's putting an extra floor up here. He's running up towers. He's making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. I just think we often have a mismatch between our expectations and God's own plans and purposes. And the bad news is we might feel a little disappointed at first and the crowds of Jerusalem probably did. I mean, this did not look at all like what they thought they were gonna get. And the cross was brutal and hard and on the surface seemingly so disappointing. But the good news was that disappointment, it was just that surface level. Because Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, it meant that the moment of salvation had dawned. It was here and it was for them. And if we can just look beyond our current circumstances, even though they're hard and brutal and really, in some ways, really terrible, We can see that salvation is dawning and God is working and he wants to do something in our hearts. And actually, that's just a huge step if we can see that towards humility and wisdom and towards greater Christian faith. Right now, actually, we have an unprecedented opportunity to do this, unprecedented opportunity and an unexpected opportunity to make this happen. We've got the opportunity to grow in intimacy with Jesus and experience the more that he has for us. I mean, look, flights are canceled and restaurants are closed and gyms are shut down, which I'm really upset about, frankly. Though this is not what we expected, I wonder what he might do in the middle of it. Maybe he would do this. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples before this Palm Sunday. I'm gonna have my daughter Aurora read it from Mark chapter six, verse 30. Go for it, babe. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away 
by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. You rock. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Jesus' invitation to solitude, it came at a time when he was experiencing major stress. He'd been rejected in his hometown. He found out his cousin John had been killed. And I know that for me, a lot of times I think, well, I'm going to get my life together when I feel a little better, when I'm not so stressed, when I feel a little more spiritual, when, I, when I've got a little more inspiration, then I'll get my act together. But Jesus reminds us in this passage that we have to sometimes be forceful with ourselves as we seek him. And he's waiting for us in the midst of our distractions and worries and even really difficult problems like this. And I think today is a great start. You're here online worshiping with us. But I think when he says, come away with me by yourself, perhaps he has something a little more extended in mind that he's inviting you into. Asking you to come into solitude. And frankly, we're kind of pushed into it right now. Henry Nouwen, he says this about solitude. He says that solitude is the furnace of transformation. I love that. He says, without it, we remain the victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. Solitude is the place of the great struggle and the great encounter. The struggle against the compulsions of the false self and the encounter with the loving God who offers himself and the substance of the new self. Isn't that beautiful? The question for us during this time of quarantine is, what might God desire to do in me beyond the obvious things that I can see and that I'm praying about? Listen, everybody, the kingdom of God is still very much a reality, and you still are very much invited into it. A pastor and a friend of mine named Daniel Grothy from Colorado Springs told a story this week about a really difficult season of his life, and he had a friend come and talk to him and encourage him with some words from an Irish poet named John O'Donohue. And these were the words that he found so much comfort in, and I found comfort in them this week as well. He said, be excessively gentle with yourself. And I just want to encourage you during this season, would you do that? Be excessively gentle with yourself. Nobody knew this was coming. You're trying to figure out how to homeschool and you don't know how. Nobody knew that was happening. There's no playbook for this. So just relax. Be excessively gentle with yourself. And with that in mind, as we close here today, I want to encourage you just to do a few things with me this week that I think will help you to be excessively gentle with yourself, but also can position you for the deeper and greater thing that God may want to do under the surface in this season. And the first thing is that you would just take care of yourself. Would you do that? Like, take care of yourself. Be purposeful with your time. Try not to be aimless. Try to eat healthier. Honestly, we're eating Rice Krispie treats around here every day, and man, it's making me so happy. But try to eat some vegetables. Try to get outside. Go for a walk. Like, get some exercise. We're walking in the morning, and we're biking in the evening, and it's bringing life to my soul. If you need rest, get some rest. Connect with some friends over FaceTime. Just do some things to care for yourself during this season. The second thing I want to ask you to do is limit your unproductive screen time. No doubt, that pull towards screen time, it was there even before we entered this pandemic. And so I, I read an article this week and it said, coronavirus ended the screen time debate. Screens won. Let's not let that be true. Let's put it away. Let's decide we're going to practice some healthy habits together. And I'll, I'll start with this. Start with putting the phone away at dinner. No phones at dinner. And then try this. Our family's been doing this. It's so good. Try, put your phone away for one hour a day, for one day a week, 
and for one week a year and see what starts to happen to your mental clarity. The third thing is, I want you just to find something productive to do. Like find a fun project around the house. I'm not telling you, you gotta produce. I'm not telling you to to ramp it up. Don't do that. You don't need to do that during this time. But just find something that you'll enjoy. Be productive, have a little purpose. Spring cleaning, clean out the garage, do some yard work. I found myself fixing our bikes over the past couple weeks, couple couple days, and it's been really, really actually helpful to me. Take an online course at Udemy, learn something new, go to YouTube and learn a skill and make it fun. Like learn to dance, learn to cook. Lord knows I could use that. Just go read a book that's been sitting on your shelf for a long time and you can finally get to it. The fourth thing I wanna encourage you to do, and this is most important, I want you to find Jesus. As we've been given this unprecedented opportunity to spend time with Jesus, let's take it. Take time each day, look for him, find him. Take out your Bible and read. Take out a commentary and do some research. Take out a study Bible and study through a little more in in depth than you normally would. Just pick up the one-year Bible plan and start reading again. Put on some worship and walk around your house and worship with your family. You know, take some time to just sit and listen to him and ask him, God, what are you doing right now? God, what are you doing in me? What do you wanna accomplish? Where is your spirit active and how can I participate with you? Look for him. Find him during this time. What we know is if we look for him with all of our hearts, we're gonna find him. Would you commit to wholehearted seeking throughout the course of this month of April? And if you will, I'm certain he'll show up and he'll do more in you than you expected. In this time of difficulty and distraction that we're all in, I want you to be assured God is standing by ready with fresh inspiration and revelation for you. In fact, Jeremiah 33 says in verse two, this is what the Lord says. He who has made the earth, the Lord formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I'm convinced everybody that we can leave this situation better than we entered. I'm convinced that God has deeper and greater plans for you, you in your life during this season, that he loves you and he cares for you and he cares about your needs and your requests and he's moving, he's moving on their behalf, he's moving on behalf of our first responders, he's bringing healing, he's doing all that, but he has some more and he's calling you during this time, come and get away with me. There's more happening than you're aware of on the surface and I've got plans for you and I wanna invite you into them. The pull towards this is gonna be towards entropy and atrophy. It's not gonna happen on its own. So let's just decide, we're gonna dig in. We're gonna find Jesus. We're gonna be excessively gentle with ourselves. We're gonna seek God wholeheartedly together. And we're gonna find the deeper and better that God has for us. And we're gonna exit this trial better than we walked in. Would you pray with me here? Just take a second, put your stuff down. Maybe put your phone down. Yeah, I see you. I know you picked up your phone. I know you're scrolling. Just put your phone down and just pray with me. Just stick your hands out like this as a sign of surrender to him and give everybody in your house permission to do the same. It's okay. And let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome you to do whatever it is that you wanna do. We thank you that you're working on behalf of our world. Lord, we thank you that there are movements of prayer like Unite 714 that Pastor Ross told us about. People are engaging in prayer like never before and you're working, but God, I know that you have plans for us. You've asked us in this time of solitude, come away with me by yourself and let me teach you some things. And I pray for everybody within the sound of my voice that we would have the courage, 
the audacity to believe that it's true and would get away with you. And God, would you speak loud and clear into our hearts and lives and do everything that you want to do. We surrender and submit to you. And your thunder and your creation, that was crazy. And we thank you for what you will do in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining with us today. Hey, I just want you to remember, next week is Easter, everybody, and we've got an incredible cinematic experience that's gonna happen. And so so get ready for it, invite people to it, spread it on social media, put up some watch parties on Facebook, and let's have an amazing time celebrating the good news of Jesus and getting that message out next Sunday. There are also gonna be some stuff for your kids, so go to onechapel.com slash kids for a special Easter presentation for the entire family Can't wait to do that. Hey, everybody, thanks for sharing this Palm Sunday with us. God bless you. We'll see you next week.